Amen. Well, good morning. It's great to have you all here. Uh, please open up your Bibles to the book of Philemon. The book of Philemon, it's after Timothy and Titus, um, and it's just before the book of Hebrews. But in order for me to find the book of Philemon, I was given a lovely little bookmark to help me find the book of Philemon, which is really good. Ellie Jane made this for me. It has um, a secret drawing that she always gives me every Sunday, so I love getting this bookmark. I'll never lose Philemon again. So thank you, Ellie Jane. Hard book to find. Philemon, uh, chapter 1, because there's only one chapter, and verse 17 we're going to be looking at this morning. Let me read verses 17 right down to the end. Philemon, verses 17 to 25. This is God's Word. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, sends greetings to you. And so do Mark and Aristarchus and Demas and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. That's God's Word. Let's pray. Lord, we have sang, Holy Spirit, we have sang that you would come and teach us. And we know, Holy Spirit, that you speak whenever your word is read. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would illuminate your words to us. Speak your word into our heart that we might live by it and point us again to Jesus. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your death on the cross for our sins. And we pray that this morning as we read and hear your word, we will sit knowing that those of us who have trusted in you have sins forgiven, washed white as snow. What a grace that is. In your wonderful name, we pray these things. Amen. Verse 17 is the main point, the main theme of the whole letter of Philemon. Verse 17 is really where Paul wants to get at. That's where Paul wants to bring us throughout this whole letter is verse 17, and he has took a while to get there. In fact, before he gets to his point, he has taken 16 long verses. Why? Because Paul is being careful in what he says. Now, you could say that Paul is being tactful, and yes, he is doing that, but I think Paul is also being pastoral. Paul is coming to Philemon, and he's asking Philemon to do something that is very difficult. 
He has had someone probably steal from him, someone who has probably hurt him deeply. And so Paul wants to write to Philemon and say to him, in essence, I want you to forgive him. And so Paul builds the foundation for 16 verses. He builds this foundation for Philemon. He says to Philemon, Philemon, I want you to remember who you are, your identity. I want you to remember your faith. I want you to remember all of these things that you might have the foundation needed to forgive him. And he grounds this appeal. He appeals to him. And he grounds the appeal in love. He grounds the appeal in relationship. He grounds the appeal in in God's plan. Calling on him to welcome Onesimus back. And that's what he says in verse 17. So, if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. It took him a long time to get there. And all of us are saying to Paul, Paul, what's your point? What's your point? What's your point? I gave away his point in week one. I gave away his point in week two. But but that is what Paul is building to this whole time. And then he says that little word, that little important word, so. Here is my point. Receive him back. In other words, what he is saying, I want you to do to the person who has hurt you deeply, I want you to welcome that person back. Welcome them back. And all of us, we love a good welcome home, don't we? For me, I have to travel sometimes. I have to travel up north sometimes, maybe for about a week, or I have to travel to the States or whatever. And when I travel, you know, you kind of think, oh yeah, this will be great, a bit of time alone. It lasts me about half a day before I'm really bored and just, you know, wanting to be back home. So, so I go there maybe for about a week, and I, and I know where I want to be is I want to get back home. And I know what's going to happen when I get back home. Usually what, you know, my family, you know, Brazilian or whatever, and they, they want to maybe make a banner, not always, but sometimes they make a little banner for me. And they color this, this banner, and it's, and it's all colored, Welcome Home Daddy. I get a banner when I come home. And it is so lovely to get that. And I walk into the door, and I know exactly what is going to happen when I walk into the door. When I walk into the door, someone is going to run at me and not just give me a hug, but give me one of those hugs that kind of, you know, they kind of hit you as they, as they hug you and you, you lose your breath. You're like, oh, and they say, welcome home, daddy. And what daddy would not love that welcome home? All of us love that welcome home. All of us want to be received. All of us want to be welcomed. You know, when you come into this room, it is nice to be welcomed here. All of us like to receive that welcome, like to receive that hello, and we should receive that. And so it should be with every Christian relationship. When you have one Christian and another Christian and they come from afar, what you should do is you should welcome them. And what Paul is preparing Philemon to do, hey Philemon, you know the guy who really, really hurt you? When he comes back to you, when he brings this letter that I'm writing to you, like, like, like Onesimus is going to come and bring the letter and give it to Paul. When he brings the letter to you and gives it to you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to welcome him back. And Paul, 
What Paul does so elegantly and well is Paul constantly is putting the pressure on Philemon. In other words, Paul is cornering Philemon, basically saying, you have to do this. You don't have an, have an option. Here's what he says to him. Verse 17, so if you consider me a partner. In other words, if, if you love me, if you have koinonia with me, that's, that's the word. If, if you have fellowship with me in Christ, Philemon's not going to say no. Oh, I don't have fellowship with you. I'm not your partner. Paul is saying, on the basis of the relationship, if you're a partner with me, then welcome him back. If you're not a partner with me, don't welcome him back. But if you are, welcome him back. Receive him back. And then he says, as you would me. Welcome him back as you would me. Now, Paul often addresses himself in this relationship with, with Philemon. He calls Philemon, you know, his, his fellow worker, calls Philemon his partner, calls Philemon his brother, and then in this relationship, Paul identifies himself as a prisoner. And you can imagine if Paul was ever released from prison, and if Paul ever met Philemon after being released from prison, what kind of welcome would he get? He would get an amazing open arms welcome. And that's what Paul is saying to Philemon. When Onesimus comes back, I want you to welcome him as a partner. I want you to welcome him as a brother. I want you to welcome him as a fellow worker. I want you to welcome him in Colossians chapter 4 verse 19 or 9. I can't quite remember. I should know that. 19 or 9, he says, Onesimus, he is one of you. Welcome him as if he is one of you with open arms. That's a hard call to welcome back someone who's hurt you. Has anyone ever hurt you? When they hurt you with their words or with their actions or with whatever they've done, one of the hardest things to do is say, yeah, come on back. That's a very difficult call. And yet we see that picture in Scripture all the time. You, you guys know well, some of you would know well the story of, of the prodigal son, wouldn't you? The son he went away and, and spent all, all the inheritance, and then on his way back, he started rehearsing his, his I'm sorry speech, and, and the father, the father sees him from afar, and we call the story the lost son or the prodigal son, but we should call the story the loving father. Because what happens as, he, as the son is at a distance, getting ready to come back, getting ready to face the music from all that he has done wrong, when the father sees him from a distance, do you know what the father does? He uses this, this, this strange phrase, the father girds up his loins. That's the old King James Version. He girds up his loins. What does that mean? He, he kind of picks up his gown, or you can say his dress or whatever. He picks up his gown, which would have been disgraceful for, for the men of the time to do that, to show your legs. He girds up his loins, and what does he do? He runs to the son. Before he can even say, I'm sorry, the father runs to him and welcomes him back and throws him a party, doesn't even give him the opportunity, the chance to say, I'm sorry. He welcomes him back with open arms, the one who has hurt him deeply. And that's what Paul is calling for Philemon to do. Open arms, welcome him back. 
the one who has hurt you? Who has it that has hurt you? I'm sure there are a lot of people who have hurt you in life. And I know, I know it is very complicated. So I'm not going to be able to delve into all of the details of how people might have hurt you and all those things. I know it is complicated. But I know that the Christian posture should be, and the Christian question should be, how am I going to welcome this person back? That should be our posture. And again, I don't know all the details, and I'm sure there needs to be conversations and wisdom about how that works and how that welcoming works and all of that stuff. Yes, I agree with all of that. But our posture, shouldn't it be the posture of welcome? You know, when we came to Jesus, when we harmed Him, when we hurt Him, when by our sins we nailed Him to the cross and we came to Him, What did He say to us? Go away. I don't want you. You're not good enough for me. You need to do another few things. What did Jesus do? He welcomed us back. He forgave us of all our sins and said, you can be part of my family. He reconciled us. Those who were His enemies became His friends. That should be our posture. It is a posture of welcome. And if that is the main thing we are called to do, to welcome people back, to receive people back, if that is the main thing we are called to do, and if that is really difficult, then we as Christians need to prepare ourselves for that task. Because that is not an easy task. I don't want to make light of the fact that we are to welcome people back. And if we are to welcome people back, then we need to be prepared in a certain way. And the first thing I think we need to be prepared with is this. We need to be prepared to forgive their debts. If we're going to welcome them back, we need to be prepared to forgive their debts. Verse 18, if he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Verse 20, listen, Philemon, if you didn't notice it yet, I do want something from you. I do want something from you. I'm writing for a purpose. I want some benefit. Refresh my heart. Remember what he said earlier on in the letter about him? In verse 7, he said earlier on in the letter, he said, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. You're the type of person who refreshes people's hearts. Now I'm writing to you, Philemon, for you to refresh my heart. Do it. And how is he going to refresh hearts? Well, we need to prepare to forgive people their debts. Paul, he says in verse 18 and 19, if he has wronged you in any way, whatever he has done against you, I'm going to pay for that. I am going to sort that out. If that hurt still exists, I am going to step in and I'm going to solve that for you. So then you will have no excuse but to welcome him back. The only option you will have once I provide this forgiveness for you, the only option you are going to have at that moment is to forgive him if he has wronged you at all in any way. Now, many commentaries spend a lot of pages 
trying to figure out this. How did Onesimus wrong him? What did he do that was wrong? And they spent pages and pages trying to figure out and coming to a conclusion about what he did that was wrong. And yet, I don't think that's the point. Paul knows, Paul's, Onesimus is, is Paul's son. Paul knows what has gone wrong. Paul knows what has happened, and yet Paul doesn't choose to say it. And one of the reasons I think Paul mightn't choose to say it is this. Paul wants to remind Philemon of Onesimus' change. He is a different person now. He doesn't want to remind him of his sin. He wants to remind him of his change. And so he doesn't go into detail. He is intentionally vague, and he says, whatever he has done wrong, I will repay it. If he has done you any little bit of wrong, I will make sure that that is solved and that you have the openness to do what? Welcome him back. And I think it is a grace to us that we don't actually know what Onesimus did wrong. I think it is God's grace that we don't know what sin that he actually committed. Because if we did know what sin he actually committed, then we would be making excuses for ourselves. We'd be saying, oh, Philemon was able to forgive him because he did this. But I can't forgive the person because they did that. Philemon was able to forgive him because it was only this sin, but I can't forgive them because it was that sin. Well, no, we don't have an option on forgiveness. We're called to do it, called to forgive people the debt that they have done against us. And the reason I believe we have been called to do that is because of what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. I'll read it again to you. I read it last week. It says this, be kind to one another tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. What Paul is doing in one sense is he's stepping in and he's offering the redemption. Paul in one sense is almost a Christ picture in these verses. He's stepping in and he's saying, whatever he's done wrong, I'll pay it. Take it on me. I'll do it. I'll pay for that wrong. I'll pay for that sin. And you accept him and you receive him. Now, why does Paul step in and say, whatever it is, I'll do it just so this can be resolved? Because Paul has received redemption from Christ. Paul used to step in and kill people for the wrong they had done. But now Paul steps in and says, I'll pay for all the wrong he has done. If that's the problem, if that's what you've got against him, I'll pay for it all. Why can Paul offer that? Because Jesus has paid for it all for him. Jesus has paid for it all for him. Very practically, we need to ask the question, what if someone hurts me in this church? What if someone hurts me or annoys me or frustrates me in this church? What should I do? What posture should I have? The posture should be a posture of forgiveness. If a brother or sister hurts you, we need to be prepared, ready, and willing to forgive. Why? Because God in Christ forgave us. That should be our posture. We should remember that a if a brother or sister has hurt us or frustrated us in Christ, if they are in Christ and they have sinned against us, we need to remember this fact. 
that Jesus has not only paid for my sin, but what has He done? He has paid for their sin also. He has died not only for my sin, but for their sin also. Therefore, I should not add more punishment to their sin. I should be ready and willing to forgive them. That should be my posture. I should be prepared to forgive them. If I'm going to welcome people back, I should be prepared to forgive them their debt. And if I'm going to welcome someone back who has hurt me, I should be prepared to obey what God calls me to do. Verse 21, confident of your obedience. <laughs> Remember, like he's cornering him, isn't he? Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me and for for I am hoping that through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you, confident of your obedience. What is Paul doing here? Is Paul, I want to say he's being tactful, but I think he's just being pastoral. He says, you are a very loving person, Philemon, in the start of the letter. And then he appeals to Philemon on the basis of love. He says to Philemon, Philemon, you refresh the hearts of the saints. And then he says to Philemon, Philemon, now I want you to refresh my heart. He says to Philemon, I could command you and I could require you, but what am I going to do? I'm going to appeal to you. But in saying I could command you and I could require you, what in effect is he doing? commanding and requiring him. And so, yes, he is giving him an appeal, but Paul is just being Paul. Sometimes we do this, you know, sometimes I, I write emails, and you're writing the email, and as you write the email to the person, you're, you're very polite, you're dear, whatever, all this kind of stuff, but there's something that you do in emails if you want the person to do something for you. At the end of the email, do you know what I write? If I want someone to reply and do something, I'll write something like this. Looking forward to hearing from you soon. God bless Shane. I'm looking forward to hearing from you soon. What am, what am I saying in a sense? Reply back to me and reply back to me soon. But I can't say that. I have to say, I'm looking forward to hearing from you soon. But really, I want them to do what I'm saying. Reply back. And what Paul is doing here is, I'm confident of your obedience. And that is what forgiveness is. Brothers and sisters, forgiveness is obedience. We need to welcome people back because it's obedience. And if he doesn't obey, what is it? It's disobedience. If he doesn't welcome him back, it's going against what the Lord would have him do. And so for us, we need to walk the path of obedience. And again, I know relationships are complicated. I know it's not an easy or a quick fix. But I'm sorry, when I look at these words, it says, receive them back. And it says, confident of your obedience, I know you're going to do more. The Scripture calls us to this posture of forgiveness, which is a posture of O-B. 
obedience. And so if we're going to forgive, and if we're going to walk this pathway of forgiveness, I want to, to summarize for us essentially this letter and what we should do in response to this letter, I'm going to give us some steps that we should take if someone hurts us or has hurt us or will hurt us in the future. What are the steps that we can take to do this obedience that Paul is requiring of us? The first step I think we should take is this. When someone hurts us, the first step I think we should do is this. I think we should pray that God forgives them. I think we should pray for them that God forgives them. The reason I think we should pray that is because when people were killing Christ on the cross, when they were physically hurting Him, what did He pray? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And on Friday, in Friday's study, we were reminded not only did Jesus say that on the cross when He was being killed, but Stephen also said that in Acts when he was being stoned. At the end, when people were literally stoning him, not just verbally hurting him, but physically hurting him, he said this in Acts 7 verse 60, he said this, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Don't hold it against them. In other words, what he is saying is this, Lord, forgive them. Now, the Lord will not forgive them unless they repent. So he's not, you know, when Jesus says, forgive them for they know not what they're doing, Jesus is not absolving them of that sin. They still do need to repent, but we need to pray that the Lord would forgive them. When someone hurts us, I think that's the first step we should do. The second step I think we should do is this. We should pray against bitterness in our hearts. We should pray that the Lord would forgive them, and we should pray against any bitterness, revenge, malice, any comebacks that we would have in our heart. And the reason I say this is because of what it says in Romans 12 verse 19. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for, the God, for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. It is not our job, Christians, listen, it is not our job to pay people back for their sin. It is not our job to retaliate. It is not our job to hurt them back. It is our job to pray, Lord, you deal with it. Lord, you forgive them. Lord, you take vengeance. It belongs to you. We leave it in the Lord's hands. We pray against bitterness. The third step I think we should take in this step toward obedience is I think we should remove the plank from our own eye before we remove the speck out of theirs. As people hurt us, do you know what I've noticed in my life? It's so easy to see the sin of everybody else, right? If you just think of the people in your house, you could name off their sins like that. It's so easy to see everybody else's sin. It's very, very difficult to see our own. In fact, we are probably blinded to our own sin in every relationship, very much so. And so we need to pray that way. Why? Because of what Jesus says. He says, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye 
when all the time there is a plank in my own. I'm trying to remove this little, little piece of dirt out of their eye when I've got this massive log coming out of my own. You hypocrite, he says. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck out of your brother's. So that's the third step I think we should take. Remove the plank out of our own eye. The fourth, I think, is this. Whenever someone hurts us and we're trying to figure out what we should do, I think we should seek godly counsel. That's what we've been talking about throughout, throughout Proverbs. Sometimes relationships are difficult, and sometimes the welcoming back and the forgiveness process, it's very, very difficult. And so what I think we should do is seek out godly counsel. That's what it says in Proverbs, many counselors, and not just counselors who will cheer you on in your rage. You know, if someone is cheering you on in your rage and your vengeance, they're probably not a good counselor. You might like to ask their advice because they're cheering you on, but it might be a good counselor would be this, someone who doesn't come to you just with their opinion, but who comes to you with God's Word, prays with you, and helps you along to the pathway of forgiveness. Seek godly counsel. Fourth thing, that was the fourth thing, seek godly counsel. The fifth thing I think we should do, the fifth thing I think we should do is be ready to forgive them whenever they repent. Be ready to forgive them and welcome them back whenever they repent. Peter asked that question of Jesus. He said, Jesus, Lord, how many times am I supposed to forgive my brother if he sins against me? Like in other words, what he's saying is Jesus had just told Peter and the disciples, if someone sins against you, I want you to go to them, tell them of their sin, and then I want you, if they don't listen, then I want you to take a second person. If they don't listen, then I want you to tell a third person. Now Peter comes to him with a very human question. Peter comes to him and says, how many times am I actually supposed to forgive them? If they keep coming and coming, am I supposed to actually forgive them? Is, is it supposed to be up seven times? Am I supposed to forgive them seven times? He thinks that's realistic. Jesus says, no. I tell you, 77 times. What's Jesus saying? Are we to count up the amount of times once they reach 77? Done? No. Jesus is saying it's the perfect forgiveness. Peter says, I think, seven times, that's the perfection, you know, seven times. No, Jesus says, much more, 77 times. Forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive. Why? Has the Lord Jesus, when you've come to Him and asked Him forgiveness, have he, has He ever said to you, that's it, limit, you've reached the limit, that's it? can't forgive you anymore. You've hit the cap. You've hit the ceiling. No more forgiveness. No. Once for all. If anyone would come to Jesus, even this morning, and you would ask Him for forgiveness of your sins this morning, once for all, it is all done. He will forgive you. So I think we should be ready to forgive whenever. And the last thing I would say is this. Number six, I didn't tell you the amount before because I knew you'd get, you know, tired. <laughs> Number six, we should re pursue repentance and forgiveness. If we have a hurtful relationship in our life, 
We need to pursue repentance, and we need to pursue forgiveness. There's two ways the relationship will be resolved, two possibilities. Number one, the person who has hurt you realizes their sin, and they come to you, and they will repent. That would be ideal. That would be amazing. If the person would see all they've done, see their sin, they would come to you biblically. That is a good thing. That is a right thing. That is what we are to do with the Lord Jesus. We are to confess our sins. As soon as we see it, we come to and we confess our sins. Ideally, the person who has hurt you, that they would come and that they would confess their sin. But the other option is this. The person who has been hurt would come and tell the other one, you've hurt me. That's one of the ways we can pursue repentance and forgiveness if we go to them. Often we wait for them to come to us, don't we? But sometimes they may not realize their sin if they've hurt you. Other times they may feel like they've got away with it. It's really hard to come to someone and say, will you forgive me? So they might just try and leave it and brush it under the carpet. Us Irish people, we're brilliant at this. We're brilliant at brushing sin under the carpet. We don't want to, I don't want any awkward conversation. I don't want to be open with anybody. We're, we're brilliant at brushing it under the carpet. But no, what we should do is pursue forgiveness. Jesus said this, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. If someone hurts you, go to them gently, respectfully, lovingly, graciously, and tell them. So here's what's going to happen practically. In the years to come, I'm just going to let you know. If someone hurts you in this church, and you say, they've really hurt me, they've really hurt me, and you, you come to the leaders in the church and you say, Shane, they've, they've, they've hurt me, what are you going to do about it? They have hurt me, what are you going to do? I'm going to say this, have you talked to them? Have you told them? That's actually the first step, to go to them. Afterwards, Jesus makes provision for other people. But, but you know how many arguments and fights and disagreements and all of that could be solved if we just went simply to the person and asked them for forgiveness. I think that is what we are called to do. And I with Paul will say this, confident of your obedience, I say this to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. We trust in the Lord, confident that He will do more. Let me just read the end of the letter so we can finish out. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. And so does Mark and Aristarchus and Demas and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. He mentions a few names there. One of the names he mentions is Mark. Paul didn't have perfect relationships even when he was a Christian. Paul had an argument about Mark with Barnabas because Mark, Barnabas's cousin, went on their first missionary journey together and Mark left. And Paul didn't want to accept Mark back. 
but it seems now that their broken relationship has been restored. Forgiveness and repentance has happened, and that is what I think we should pursue. Brothers and sisters, I know, I know that forgiveness is difficult, and I know that repentance is difficult. I struggle with it in my own life. But if the Lord Jesus Christ has forgiven you of your sins, we should be quick, be quick to offer that to everybody else. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this letter. We thank you for the challenge that it is to forgive others, to repent of our sin, to offer forgiveness to others. Lord, I pray that you would help us Help us through this letter to live that life of obedience, to be ready and willing to welcome people back. Help us, Lord, with that, I pray. In your name, amen.